Well, good morning. We uh, had quite a snowstorm, and I hope you guys all, all got out. Uh, we probably could have had first service that everything stopped snowing at 5, right? You guys were probably up at 5.30, right? Shoveling and doing all that, yeah? Um, anybody show up for first service and then just stay? You, one? You're a trooper. That's a trooper right there. That's awesome. Um, well, good morning. We, um, they're bringing something over. If you were here last week, you might recognize this from last week. And um, it's funny, I, I'm so glad I came to church this, this week, aren't you? Man, worship was awesome. But I love just being able to celebrate what God's doing. Um, we, we had, like, in a, even our Tuesday staff meeting, many of those uh, prayer requests or the praise reports that came up, we were just sharing around, around the table and uh, just realizing all the amazing things that, that God's doing. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, I know that we have a you know, place on that Connect card to put in like prayer requests. But, but when God does stuff, it'd be really nice if you could share that. You know, let us know what God's, what God's up to and what he's doing so that we can be sharing um, with the body that, that are praying for you as well. So as God is healing some of those things that we put as, as prayer requests, I pray that there are praise reports this next week. And so, um, so make sure you do that. Um, if you missed last week, we, um, you can catch up on nlc.today because I'm going to kind of build off of uh, what we talked about last week. But um, let me give you kind of a little bit of a um, recap, I guess you could say. I talked about one of the most popular 1980s rebuttals. Um, I grew up in the 80s, <clears throat> and one of the things that we would say, I'm not saying it was right, I'm just, I'm just saying that when, when someone would tell you what to do and you didn't want to do it, like maybe you had, maybe sometimes it was an adult and you were fresh, you know, that you shouldn't have said it, but like, or maybe it was a friend, you had a bossy friend named Tina, like I did, and, um, sorry Tina, and she, and like, they try to tell you what to do, you'd look at them square in the eye and you would say, you're not the boss of me. Like, in other words, back off, you don't get to tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. It's this idea that we had back in the 80s, not anymore, but we had this idea that, like, I get to call my own shots. You're not my dad. You're not my mom. You're not my grandma. You're not my king. You're not my God. You're not my boss. Get, you know, lay off. I, I get to call my own shots. And thank God, as we've grown up, all of us, like, that we grew out of that. Right? Like, we don't, we don't think that we call our own shots, and we don't tell people to back off and mind their own business or anything like that. Like, that's, that was back in the 80s when kids were unruly and swearing was in PG movies. And, like, that, that was back when, when all that stuff went. But, but today, we're over that, right? Yeah, sure we are. So here's the thing. You may not say that anymore, or some of you may not say that anymore. The whole, you're not the boss of me. But... There's this thought still that tries to convince us that, that once I get to call my own shots, I'm going to call all the right shots. Like once, you have this maybe at your work. If I got to call the shots at work, man, that place would run a whole lot better. Everyone would be a whole lot happier, especially me. Right? If, if, if my wife would just listen to everything that I say, our marriage would be perfect, right? Like if she would just stop and just listen and do what I'm telling her, then, then man, we could write a book together. Well, I'd write it and she could just sign it. You know what I mean? Like that, 
if my kids would just do what I'm telling them to do and obey, our house would be so peaceful. And they would run so much better. I'd be so much happier. Like people would just do what I tell them to do. And yet, and yet, even though we think that we know better than everybody else in the room and everybody else in our cubicle and everybody else in our family and everybody else in our marriage, even though we think we know, the problem is, is that the times where we've gotten into the most trouble and the most mess is when we've taken our own advice. I mean, you thought you deserved that. And you thought you, 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 you should get that. And you thought that was a good idea. And it turned out, Man, you shouldn't have listened to you. Like you, in many ways, when we get to call our own shots, what we quickly realize is that we don't always call the right shots. And in fact, we can sometimes be our own worst enemy because we don't necessarily have our best in mind, even though we think we do. In fact, Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 7. We read this last week, and I'm going to read verses 15 and 19. He says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And then he says in verse 19, he kind of says a little bit differently, but it's the same thing. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I do what I don't do, and I don't do what I do, what I do what I don't want to do. In other words, the question is this, why are there areas in my life where I feel like, man, I got this thing under wraps and I got self-control and hallelujah, if you could just take a look at this part of my life, I'd like you to just look at that. And yet there are other areas of my life that I don't want to show you, that the areas that I kind of keep undercover, that I kind of keep under wraps, that I keep in a dark room and I shove it in the closet, and yet I don't know who's in charge of that room in my life because I don't seem to be in charge of it because I don't want to do the things that I want to do and yet I keep going back to the things that I don't want to do. And I'm like, who is the boss here? Who's in charge? Is Charles in charge or am I in charge? Sorry, I have 80s on the mind. <laughs> Hold me close to Tony Danza. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Move on. You guys are so immature. All right. This is what happens when I get way too much sleep and we don't have service till 10:15. Um, see, he goes on and he starts to take a little bit of a left turn and he says this. The problem may be that we don't know what the problem may be. He says in Romans 7:20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. It's what? Like whose fault? It's sin's fault. Like I, I didn't do what I wanted to do, but it's not me who did it. It is sin who did it. It's sin's fault. He's essentially telling us that our true problem is that you, you, you don't just occasionally sin. You were born a sinner. And even right there, you're like, mm, maybe not me. This person might be, but not, I'm, I'm, a good, I'm a pretty good person. It's not what Paul says. He says that, that your true problem is not that you occasionally sin. He's like, you, you were born a sinner. He says in Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. What he's defining is something that we talked about last week. I've got these two things. He says, like, when, when, you know, you were born, you were born into Adam. Like, Adam sinned, you know, we read in Genesis the whole story of, you know, Eve, him, the apple, oh, you messed up, it's your sin. Now, now, from that point on, you were born in Adam. In other words, you were born in sin. So what's true of Adam is true of you. You're like, well, that, that doesn't, that, that's not really fair. He says, that, but, you know, once you, once you receive Jesus Christ, now you are in Christ, and what's true of Christ is 
is true of you. So essentially what he's saying is like when you're, when you're born in Adam, you're born into sin, which means I was born into sin. And you, you sir, you were born into sin. Yes, ma'am, and, and your granddaughter, you, you're both, you're born into sin. And, and, and Billy Graham was born into sin. And, and um, criminals were born into sin. And Mother Teresa, sweet Mother Teresa, she was born into sin. Everyone was born into sin. So like we're all kind of on the same playing field. And this, this is what, what Paul just kind of outlines to us, that, that you're not just a good person who occasionally does bad things. He's like, you, you were born a sinner who occasionally does good things. And even as I say that, I feel it in this room. I mean, you feel that? It's like tension where you're like looking at me like, I don't like what you're saying. You feel that? I feel it. You should stand up here. We could trade places. Here's the thing. I'm just reading what Paul says. I'm just reading what the Bible says about himself and about, about, about you. He's like, this is, uh, this, is, this is tough because it flies in the face of our culture. What are you talking about? Like, that was, Pastor Justin, seriously? I'm a good person. Like, I'm not a bad person who occasionally does good. I'm a good person who occasionally, occasionally, very occasionally messes up. Usually it's not even my fault. It's, it's my wife's fault. You know what I mean? It's not even me. It's like, it's not me. It's sin who does it, right? I mean, it's not, I'm not the one who does it. And, and you're kind of looking at it like, this, this, I don't like this. It doesn't seem fair. Bro, this is 2020. We're not living in the dark ages. Are you telling me that because of some dude named Adam back in Genesis, that like because of what he did, I now am born into this because he screwed up and ate an apple he shouldn't have eaten of, ate from a tree he shouldn't have eaten from, that now I have to reap the consequences of his stupidity? Hmm. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, it, that, that's what the Bible says. He says that you're not actually a good person who, who occasionally does bad. You're actually a, a, a born a sinner who, who occasionally does good things. And we don't like it. And we think, like, it, it's not really fair. To which I would reply, you want to know what's really not fair? What's really, really, really not fair is the solution to the problem. The solution to this problem. Let me read it for you. Romans 5.15 he says, but the gift, Jesus Christ, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So, if you think that you don't deserve the label of sinner, right? Because of Adam and what he did and you're now whatever's true of him is true of you. If you think you don't deserve that, let me just tell you what you really don't deserve. Let me tell you what's really unfair. This. <laughs> what's really unfair is that now in Christ, what's true of Christ is true of you. What's, what you really don't deserve is the label of saved. Like this is the epitome of unfairness. So when we look at this, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't really like that. I don't like what, what's really, truly inequitable is what is available through Jesus Christ. I mean, my goodness. It goes above and beyond. This is what Paul says. He's like, it, it overflows more than you could ever even hope for. And yet, if it's not true of Adam, then, then we negate the need for a savior. 
He says that, that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you're now placed into Christ. We, we said this last week, you're immersed into Christ. So we were moved from what is true of Adam is true of me to what is true of Christ is true of me. And now the power of sin is removed. And all of these great things, we, I mean, we were even just talking about it this morning as Tracy was talking about walking in the righteousness that has been made available to us through Christ's sacrifice. That the difference that it's made, that it's not just that, hey, now in the sweet by and by, you get to go to heaven. It's like, no, you get to live a freedom-filled life today. It's just what is true of Adam is true of you. And what's true of Christ is true of you when you're in Christ, once you're baptized into him. Now that is truly unfair. Romans 6, 14, he says this, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. Essentially what Paul says is sin is no longer the boss of you. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is, is no longer your owner. And we, we did this last week. If you're here with me, I want you to whisper with me. I think it's important for you to hear yourself, tell yourself this. Say, sin, you're not the boss of me. Now say a little bit louder. Now that you've whispered it, say, sin, you're not the boss of me. I want you to, I want you to scream it out really loud. Like, like how frustrated you were with your kids this morning because they weren't ready and they had two hours to get ready, Right? One, two, three. Sin, you're not the boss of me. Doesn't it feel good? Yell in church? Come on, right? Just as reality to remind yourself the truth that in Christ, sin is not the boss of you. I heard from a bunch of you guys this week. They're like, man, you know what? That was, that was actually pretty helpful. Like I used it this week. And Monday morning, I, I woke up and man, I'll tell you, like there was... There was something that happened. I'm not going to name names, but it was someone in my family. And, and I had to say out loud to myself, sin, you're not the boss of me. So, so I, was, I was attempted to get overwhelmed with like anger or lust or jealousy or greed or whatever that is. And I was on my way to say yes to that which I wanted to say no to. And I just said, sin, ah, 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 you're not the boss of me. And that worked. And it was good, Pastor Justin. Like I used it on Monday morning. And then by Monday at 12.01, the wheels came off. And I was like, son, you're not the boss. Just stop picking on me, right? You've been in this place where you're just like, I don't understand the things that I do and I don't want to do and I don't do and I do and I do and I don't want to do. Sin, you're not the boss of me. And yet we find ourselves still in this, this struggle, not understanding why we do the things that we do. And I want to build off this today. So, so that's kind of where we left off last week. And he says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 8. He says, now if we died with Christ... We believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Catch this. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life he lives, he lives to God. So catch this. When Jesus died, when he, when he, when he died and rose from the dead, he broke the power of sin and death. And so what Paul is saying about this, about you, is really interesting. In the very next verse, in verse 11, Romans 6, he says, In the same way, count yourself, count yourself, dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And catch this. Just as Jesus 
is dead to sin. Just as his death, burial, and resurrection, he broke the power of sin and death. Paul says and turns, he's like, this is Jesus, and this is true of Jesus, and, and this is what he did. And then he says, now, now, because you're in Christ, this is what I want you to do. I want you to start counting yourself as dead to sin as well. That word count can literally be translated as to come to the conclusion of. So he's like, hey guys, if you're in Christ, this is what I want you to do. I want you to start declaring about yourself. I want you to start coming to the conclusion about yourself that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Even if you don't feel it. Even if you're like, but yeah, that it worked. I mean, I said it. I said it on, on Monday at, at like, when I got up and it worked. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 sin, you got no power over me. Get off me, sin, right? And all of a sudden, then 1201 hit. And we're like, ah, uh, I think, am I out of this now? Like, maybe I'm right here. I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling still in the midst of trying to figure out how to live out this new identity that I have in Christ. And he says, I want you to count yourself, to come to the conclusion, to convince yourself, to come to the understanding, to the revelation to the, that you are a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. Even if you don't feel, even if you don't see it, God's working in the midst of it. Sin is no longer the boss of you. And, and it's not, I mean, we, we were like, yeah, sin, you're not the boss of me. But here's the thing. It's not just a cute little saying. I know it's like, yeah, that felt really good. I got that release and it worked on, on Monday morning and it felt really good to say that. But, but what I want you to understand, this is not just some nice way of saying it or a cute way to, to remember that, yes, yeah, sin's not the boss of me. This is something that, that Paul's trying to communicate to us about the newness of what we walk in, in as Christians. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. It's almost like he's saying, Hey guys, Question your normal. Like, question the things that you take for granted, the, tra the traditions that you've just lived in, the, 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 the cycle that you've seen. Maybe it's been passed down from your grandparent to your mom to your parents, to, and it just kind of keeps flowing down. Question your normal. Rather than just kind of think, well, you know, that's, that's just how life is. It's just how life's always been. That's how men treat women in my family. That's how women, you know, handle conflict in my family. That's just how we spend money in my family. I'm only human, baby. Like, this is this, this just kind of how life is. It is what it is. And Paul says, no, 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 it doesn't have to be. Question, you're normal. Like, wait a minute. Are, are you telling me, Paul, that if, if, if sin really is not the boss of me, and if I really do not want to have the same thing play out in my life that I've watched play out in countless people's life and people that are close to me and my family members, this is just played out in their life. Are you telling me that I don't have to say yes to everything that I've said yes to? That my story doesn't have to play out exactly like everybody else's has played out? Yeah. That's what he's communicating to us, that our story doesn't have to end the way that it looks like it's written. And Paul argues. He's like, look, a lot of, a lot of this life that we live depends on the identity that we're identifying with. So 
let me just play this, play this scenario out. We're born in Adam. We're born in sin. Sin is our master. We, we, we sin wildly and we sin pretty well. Those of you, before you came to Christ, you're like, man, I was actually really good. I could have taught classes on sinning. I was so good at it, right? And, and, and then you come to Christ. And so now what is true of Christ is true of you. And yet, even in the midst of it, when we begin to identify with our old man, when we identify with Adam, the problem is, is that we struggle all the time. Even though we're in Christ, we are looking back and identifying, thinking that our identity is in Adam, and we're thinking, man, this is a struggle. Because essentially all we're believing is that what's true of Adam is true of me, and what's available in Adam is available in me. So the only way that I can ever find like, true victory is to struggle and to work and to whatever I can do to earn my place. And he says, but when you, when you start and you just accept your new identity in Christ and you realize what's true of Christ is true of you and you don't have to necessarily try to create a man-made religion to be able to achieve that, there's rest. There's this rest of just saying, man, you know, I, I, really, didn't, I really didn't do much to be able to deserve this. And as I walk and keep in step with what it is that God's calling me to, that, that victory just, just starts to emanate forth out of me. And the reality that, that, we, that we realize is this, that as long as you identify with who you used to be, you will continue to do what you used to do. So even though you're in Christ, and this is why many of you, may, like maybe you got saved, you came to Jesus, and you said the prayer and all this, and, yet, and you're okay, I'm in Christ, but why do I still act like I'm here? Why do I still struggle like this? Because as long as you continue to identify with who you used to be, you will continue to do what you used to do because you don't necessarily realize or walk in the authority and the power that sin, you're not the boss of me. Like, you may have tempted me. You may have gotten me, and you got me there. And Man, I, I, I fell last week, but I just want you to know... You're not the boss of me. Like, you don't get to tell me what to do. You're, you're not the boss of me. And he continues, and he says this in Romans 6, 12. He takes it to this next step. And this is a really strong statement, so I'm going to just kind of, like, prepare you for this. He goes all in. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Like, that is an incredibly loaded statement. Like, he's like, okay, don't even let sin reign. If it's not the boss of you, then don't act like it's in charge. And, and, and not just like in this ethereal, like, oh yeah, Jesus is my master and he's my Lord and, and sin no longer is. He's like, no, don't even let sin reign in your mortal bodies. It's almost like he's saying, like, you've got a choice in this matter. It's like he's reminding you, look, sin can call you and text you and DM you. Sin can pop up on your screen. Sin, sin, sin can tempt you, but don't ever let it convince you that it's the boss of you. Like, yeah, those things come up, and man, I, I still struggle with this area of my life, and I, I still feel like, why, why don't I feel like I have control over this? And it will still pop up, and it'll still come, and that person will still walk by, and you'll want to take a second look, and, and just don't ever let it convince you that it's the boss of you anymore. That's what Paul, he's like, don't, don't let it. And he continues, and he says in verse 13, he gives in even more detail. He says this, 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So Paul, what are you saying? I mean, this is some heavy stuff here. Like, are you saying, okay, I said the whole thing. I did it on Monday morning and it worked. Sin, you're not the boss of me. But isn't, are you saying that that's not enough? He's like, no, that's half of it. I want you to commit and devote every part of yourself to God. It's not just enough to be like, hey, lay off me, sin. You're not the boss of me. You know, I, I, I'm the boss of me. He's saying this. You, maybe, you, maybe, maybe you take it to the next step. Maybe you're like, okay, I said that sin, you know, along the boss of me. Maybe as you walk throughout your day, you're just like, hey, sin, you can't have my mouth and tell me what to say. He says, offer every part of your body up to God. He says, sin, you can't have my mind and tell me what to think. You can't have my legs and tell me where to go. You can't have my thumbs and tell me what to type. Sin, no, 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 no. You can't have my eyes and tell me what to view. Because why? Because I'm free. Because I'm free. You're, you're no longer the boss of me. And not only that, not only can you not tell me what to do, because you're not my mom, you're not my dad, you're not my grandma, you're not my king, you're not my God, you're not my boss, not only that, but God, I take those things that once to be ruled under sin, and I commit them to you. So God, I give you my mouth. I don't have to say the things I used to say. God, I give you my eyes. I might look once, but I don't have to look twice. God, I give you my thumbs because I don't have to type that. I don't have to click there. I don't have to go to that website. I give you my eyes. I give you my ears. I give you my legs because I don't have to go to the places I used to go. I don't have to. Because sin, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And so you may be thinking, well, I've been saying that. I get it, but it doesn't seem to be working for me. I, I, I worked on Monday, and then Tuesday came, and why is that? Because Paul's, Paul's bringing something out to us here. It's like it's not just enough for you to declare that sin is not your master. It's also important for you to declare who your master is now. Like, I want you to understand this, that when we're taken out of Adam... Sin is no longer our master. He didn't save us, free us, die, rise from the dead so that now you can call the shots. Now I'm my own master. I'll be right here. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? Thank you for saving me from this sin, this, this body of death. But, but now, now I'm my master. This is a great deal, Right? And, and, and this is why we wonder why we struggle sometimes, because why? We've made Jesus our Savior. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Don't mind if I do. Absolutely. I will take heaven. Thank you so much. But we fail to make him Lord. And so what we do is we want the benefit of eternal life in heaven. We want that, that golden ticket. And yet we find that we're making ourselves our master. We're not putting him on the throne. We're keeping ourselves on the throne. But that's not the entirety of the gospel. He didn't just die so you could get a golden ticket so that you could go up to heaven and be like, hey, I got the ticket, get in here. He says, sin's no longer your master. Now you've got a new identity, a new name, a new kingdom, and a new king. And he kind of thinks that, that he's in charge now. And we struggle with that. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. 
It's one thing for me to say no to sin, but I don't know if I want to say yes to God. I, I, I didn't realize that that's what, this was, that's what this was looking like. I thought I could do whatever the heck I wanted to do. And he says this, look closely. In, in Romans chapter 6, there's this portion in two verses that he, he hits on. A lot of times we just scroll over it. He says, in the same way, verse 11, Romans 6, count yourself dead to sin, but, whenever you see a, a but, you should, you should follow a lot, okay? It's a big but. He says, count yourselves dead to sin. In other words, you're no longer my master, sin. Back off. But, there's more to the sentence, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So there's like this, now I'm no longer this, but now there's something here that I am. In verse 14, he says something similar. He says, for sin shall no longer be your master. You're not the boss of me. Because, catch this, because you are not under the law, but now you're under something different. You're under grace. In other words, it's not just enough for you to say, sin, you're not the boss of me, that you've not just been freed so you can become your own boss, that you've, now you're under Christ. A new kingdom, a new identity, a new king. And it's so important for us to realize who our master is now. And it's not you. It's not you. Because when we call the shots, like we said in the beginning, many times we don't call the right ones and we can be our own worst enemy. So you're like, well, I don't know if I like Paul. I mean, first of all, I was, I was happy with him being like using a lot of big words that I didn't understand. And now Pastor Johnson's like explaining some of this and he's got these ping pong balls. I don't know if I like what Paul has to say. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus says pretty much the same thing. So there's like, ah, this is what he says in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want you to realize this. Like Jesus wasn't, everything that he said was purposeful. So he wasn't just sitting around like, I wish I could come up with a really cute metaphor to talk about how we're so close. And that would be really, that'd be adorable, wouldn't it? No, 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 no. He's communicating something huge in John chapter 15, verse 5. Essentially, he's communicating the whole purpose and reason for what the Christian life is supposed to look like as we live it out. He's actually saying, you get your very life from me. It, it, it is my life through you that is your life, is essentially what Jesus is saying in John 15, 5. Because you're in me. Like Jesus never came to introduce a new religion. We're like, oh, that was a Christian religion. I thought that was what I was, that's what we're all here for, right? Like we're gathered here, this is organized religion. Am I, am I signed up for the wrong thing? You know, what, what's going on here? Jesus never came, hey guys, I got a new religion here. Religion is man's way to get closer to God. Jesus came to make a way where there was no way. He came to make a way to introduce a vastly different new relationship with God. What I would say to you is this, don't settle for religion. Don't settle for your way of getting closer to him. Because religion says things like this to you and it reminds you, well, you know, do this and don't do this. Say this and don't say this. Be like this, but don't be like this. 
you know, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do, and do this, but don't do this. And if you screw up, that's okay. We've got an alternate plan of things that you can do to make up for the things that you screw up. Just say this prayer, do this act, do this thing, and then you'll be okay. Pay this money, we'll, we'll make it all good. And many of you have tried to do this, and you've failed. And we wonder this, this thing, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I just wonder this thing. Why, why can't I live like Jesus? Like, I stink at this thing. Like, I look at Jesus, and, and I think, okay, I got, like, the, the instruction book, and yet I, 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 I fail every single day at this thing. I, I don't understand why I can't live like Jesus. I thought that I was going to become a Christian, and then I'd get the book, the, the instruction manual, and then I would start living like Jesus, and yet I find that every day I fail at this thing. Let me tell you something that might give you a little bit of freedom. When I was growing up in middle school, I thought I was going to be Larry Bird. I wasn't that funny. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, and I practiced. I practiced a lot. I was like, I was working on my dribbling. I was working on my shooting. I was like, I was going to be Larry Bird. I watched a lot of his buzzer beater videos. I was like, just put me in, coach, you know, and, and it was going to be awesome. And then I started playing with other people, and I quickly realized I'm not as good as I thought I was. Like, I'm tall, but that's about it. It took me till college to be able to, like, do things all coordinated. This body was, like, all cray-cray, okay? And so here's, here's what I want you to realize. Um, as hard as I tried, I am not Larry Bird, nor does anyone ever confuse me. Like, dude, are you Larry? You look, you play. No one has ever done that, right? Now, here's the thing. If I try really hard to be Larry Bird and I can't be Larry Bird, how am I going to be Jesus? I mean, I can't even shoot like the dude, and I practice one thing. All I got to do is shoot like Larry Bird. I can't even do that. How, how am I going to be like Jesus? Does anybody else ever wonder this? I, I, I feel like in this one area of my life, I'm trying to be patient with people, and yet my peace is gone, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, I'm doing my long suffering, and yet my kindness is like, get out of here, right? And we're struggling. We're like, I don't know. I got all these plates spinning and I stink at every single one of them. And this bad thing that I'm dropping negates the good thing that I'm trying. And we struggle with this. How in the world am I supposed to live like Jesus? And what we find is that, well, that's actually not what we're supposed to do. Like, Jesus didn't come to give you a, a bunch of one-liners so that he could be like, well, just do this and this and this and this, and then you'll be like me. It's pretty easy. Just be sinless, right? <laughs> just kind of do that. Just, like, don't do the sin thing that you are used to doing. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> and we get so frustrated, and I watch people come, you know, dedicate their, their lives to the Lord, and then they walk out the back door saying, well, this is a bunch of crap. This is even, I, I can't do it right. I left church on Sunday and sinned that afternoon. I did, and I even said it like Pastor Justin said. I said, sin, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss. And I went and I did it anyway. Are you kidding me? This thing's a crock. Why? Because I can't do the things I want to do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I very well do very well, actually. 
Because what, 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 what Jesus is communicating to us, what Paul is communicating to us, what the gospel communicates to us, is, is not that we're supposed to try to come up with a way to get closer to God through our own striving and our own good works. He's like, look, at, this is what it looks like. It looks like me, like you hiding yourself in me. It looks like all the amazing that I am, you get to be a part of it. Not because you're amazing, because you're not. It's because you get to be covered. And so what's true of me is true of you. And it's not because of anything you've done or not done. It's because of, it's because I'm so awesome. And I, I, you get to hide yourself in me. Is, it, he uses terms like this. And if you would just stay connected to me, if you would remain in me, if you'd realize that, that it's not just about me freeing you and then you just trying really hard to, to get back and to, and, to, and to earn your way, if you, would just, if you would just remain in me, then all of a sudden you realize that this is all about me making a way for you, not you making a way for you. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Let me just read it for you again. We've hit it three weeks in a row now. Hopefully you, you understand it. I do not do what I want to do. What, uh, excuse me. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. It's this last part that always got me. That last part. I agree that the law is good. It's almost like it doesn't fit. You ever notice that? It's like, what? Like, why? why? What, 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 is, what is that, Paul? Like, why would you add in that extra little part? I agree that the, that the law is good. It's because this. When we read this, Romans chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, and we're like, yeah, I understand this. This is not the experience of an unbeliever. I want you to grasp this. This is not the experience. Look at somebody who's like sin wildly that is not here this morning is not even thinking like, man, I keep on doing the things I don't want to do and I do the things I do want to do. No, they're just like, man, I'm really good. I should write a book about sinning and this is awesome, right? And like I, this thing is going and I, 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 I'm actually enjoying myself in this and all of these. And, and, and yet, this is the experience of a religious person. So when you are like, yeah, Paul, I agree with you, you're actually agreeing with a religious person. Because Paul's like, look, I understand religion. I've, I was really good at it. And he says, I believe that the law is good. I just can't keep it really well. I'm just not really good at it. So what should I do? Like, should I read a book? Should I, should I take a class? Should I pray a prayer? He even says in verse 24, what a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He asks the question that we don't ask. We ask the question, what? He asks the question, who will rescue me? Don't settle for the what. Pursue the who. Pursue the who. And he says in verse 25, to wrap it up, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we read that, and, uh, and we have so much distance. A lot of times we can read the Bible as, you know, we're in 2020 now, baby, right? We read the Bible, and it seems so distant from us that it's easy to allow us to just let it become a metaphor 
or something that's like, oh, that's a really nice way of saying it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus, our Lord, right? And we, we have this picture, at least I do, I have this picture of Jesus, you know, but he's so far removed from, from the writing of this, right, that like he's this long-haired hippie in a bathrobe with a perfect beard and a great one-liners. Like he's this kind of like, he's, he's far back and but I want you to understand this, and I want you to grasp what Paul's communicating here. He's not just like, hey, this is a really great way of saying it. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When he wrote this, Jesus had just died like 20, 22 years before this. He's not removed like we are, where we've gotten kind of entrenched in some of this religion, some of these ways of thinking, some of this, yeah, yeah, yeah I've read that scripture and I did that, I don't understand it, but that's, yeah. This was like 20, 22 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Paul is penning this portion of scripture. He had hung out with like Peter at meetings, one of his closest disciples, right? I mean, he, he, he legit like probably hadn't even met Mary, the, the, the mother of Jesus. He hung out with James, Jesus' half-brother of Jesus Christ our Lord, right? He hung out with these people. This was someone that he this was someone that he knew. Like Paul never met him because he came on the scene afterwards. But he hung out with people who knew him. This is not some far off Jesus Christ our Lord in stained glass windows and wooden nativity scenes. He's like, this Jesus. Catch it. This Jesus, whom I met in a vision and knocked me off my high horse, this Jesus is living through me. He's living through me, through, 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 the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. This Jesus just died 20 years ago. I can go and I can see where, where, where he was buried. I can see the tomb that he was raised from the dead from. I, I know his mom. I've, I've talked with his disciples. I've hung out. That Jesus, this Jesus, who's changed my life, Paul is saying. He lives in me. And he's essentially saying, and he says in other portions of Scripture, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's saying, I know religion. I know it. I was actually pretty good at religion, he says. I was better than any of you at religion. And yet I still failed. He says, I think that the law is good. But the only thing the law is good for is to tell me <laughs> what my grade is. Which is, fail, fail, fail. Fail, 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 fail. Good try, but you still failed. And we struggle with this. Why, why can't I be Jesus? Because you're not. In fact, you were never supposed to be. You were supposed to allow and remain and abide in him so that his life could live through you, which is a very different thing. So the law do's and don'ts and be and say and don't do this and do more of this and don't say that and do say that. The law doesn't teach you to become a, letter, a better law keeper. It just tells you what you're doing wrong. He says in Romans 8.3, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, the law is good. I'm the one who stinks at it. He says, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. For what the law was powerless to do, God did. So, what do we do? 
Because I know that's the question. Okay, that's fine. I understand what you're saying, Justin. I, I just, what do I do? Okay, well, g- g- give me my, my marching orders. Like, how am I supposed to, what do I do with this now? I think we do what Jesus said to do in, in, in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah, but that doesn't help me. Like, what does it say about the Ten Commandments? What does it say about what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do? How much money am I supposed to give? Am I supposed to come every week? What if I miss a week? Can I make it up? Do I make up weeks? Can I do all these? Like, just tell me what I'm supposed to do because I'm still stuck in this. What does it say about this is nothing. Actually, nothing. Essentially, what Jesus is communicating to each and every single one of us is that your success is not determined by your striving. It is your life that is dependent on your connection to Jesus. I don't know what that means. Uh, what, my connection, my life is, my connection, what, what like, here's, here's what I would say to you. You've never heard a pastor say this. <laughs> I'm not going to swear, don't worry. You never heard a pastor say this? Stop trying to be a good Christian. Because you're not good at it. Stay connected to Jesus. Stop trying to be a good Christian, stay connected. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. That's, it's not about rule keeping. It's about abiding. And when you can focus on that, then you realize something, that fruit just happens. It, it's when, you're, it's when you're, you're connected to Jesus and you're, and you're, you're going through life and, and all of a sudden you just look over your shoulder and you're like, oh, fruit. <laughs> Fruit just happened. And you didn't have to bear down to make it happen. It just happened. You're just walking by and like, dude, fruit, isn't that awesome? I didn't even do nothing. I just happened to look back. Maybe I've been leaving fruit all the way, right? Like, who knows? I didn't even try. And people will look at you and they'll say things to you like this. Man, you've changed. What do you mean? I mean what am I, am I doing something different? I, I don't know, but, but like you, you, you're, you're different than you used to be. What, what do you mean? How am I different? What am I doing? I don't know, you just, you seem happier. Like you're not, you don't fly off the handle like you used to. I know, it kind of scares me. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, I, 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 I don't know, like, like, like what, are you, what are you doing different, man? Like you seem like, I know something's changed, but what's changed? What are you doing different? You know, like keto? You doing keto? No, 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 no. I actually, can I tell you something that's really scary? I feel like I'm doing less than I've ever done. And yet God's changing me from the inside out. And here's the mystery. If we're going to sum all this up today, the mystery that Paul is trying to get us to understand in Galatians 5.16, he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He says, walk by the Spirit. In other words, keep in step with the Spirit. And if you do this, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Can I tell you, even as a pastor, I mix those two things up. 
I, I literally will do them completely opposite. I will be like, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. And I'm hoping that because I'm saying no to the thing I want to say yes to because of Jesus, and you know, you did what you, like, because I'm walking and not gratifying the desires of my flesh, I'm hoping that that means that I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. And yet I fail at it time and time again. And that's why, that's why Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We, we, you know what he says? He says, when you flip it the other way, that's religion. Because you're trying to do it. You're trying to earn it. You're trying to not gratify the desires of the flesh in hopes that that means I'm following you, right? That's what you want me to do. I didn't smoke, drink, or chew or go with a girl who did, right? Like, is that, isn't that worth something to you, Jesus? And he's like, I, I actually just, I just asked you to just keep in step. Walk with me. Well, but I, I, I need a to-do list. And so we read, like, like in Galatians 5, through 23, the fruit of the Spirit list. We read it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And we can look at this and we think, okay, whew, all right, I got to be more loving, more joyful. I memorize these. I got to have more forbearance. I don't know what that means. I think I have it. Um, kindness. I got to be gooder and more faithful, and I got to have more self-control. Break. Okay, I got the list. Thanks. I'm on my way. And yet we fail at it time and time again. And what Jesus would tell us is like, look, guys, look, this isn't a to-do list. It's a fruit list. And fruit is produced in and through us, not by us. Fruit is produced in and through us. It is the life of Christ living out of us rather than by us, which means that you can walk down the street and you don't have to bear it, bear down and make fruit happen. You just walk and you're just following. You're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden you're looking back there and you're like, you see that fruit? I'm just dropping fruit right out of my leg, right? And you're just going around like, this is crazy. I'm not even trying. I'm working less than I, than I ever have. This isn't a to-do list. It's a... It's a fruit list. So remain in him. Why don't you stand with me? <laughs> so, this is what I want to encourage you in today. Like, well, I, I still need my to-do list, so what do I got to do? Here's what I want to encourage you in. And this is kind of a recap from last week to this week. First thing, accept your new identity in Christ. But I don't, I don't know if I even like this. Well, if you think this is unfair, brother, this is the most unfair thing in the world. Like, so <laughs> I'm just telling you, you're like, I, I, I don't like to think that about myself, but I really kind of, in practice, I see it in other people. I don't like to see it in myself, but I guess, I guess I'm not as good as I think that I am. And as we become part and be, become not just born in Adam, but born again in Christ. What's true of him is true of us. Which means that the, he broke the power of sin and death. And so count yourself. Come to the conclusion about yourself, of your new identity in Christ. Accept your new identity in him. As you look at these two things. Okay, Lord, I, 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 I don't necessarily see it, but sin, you're, you're not the boss of me. Number two, declare Declare with your mouth your new way of life. Sin, you ain't the boss of me. I'm alive to God in Christ. You, you, you're not the boss of me. I, I commit my eyes to you, Lord. 
that I don't have to see and view the things that I used to view. I commit my legs to you. That I don't have to go where I used to go. I commit my hands to you that I don't have to do what, what I used to do. I commit my mind to you that I don't, have to, I don't have to think and believe everything that I think. I can walk in newness of life, freedom from the power of sin and death. And lastly, this third thing, Galatians 5.25, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What's he saying? Try to keep in step rather than keep the law. Well, that sounds dangerous. You mean that? I think so. I wrote it. I, I mean, it's essentially what Jesus says, essentially what Paul says, like, I haven't called you to be Jesus because you're not good at it. I've actually called you to remain in me, to abide in me, to keep in step with my spirit. And out of that, fruit happens. And you didn't really even try too hard. And you didn't have your to-do list of things that you did and you didn't do and you did, you don't do, and you wish you did, but you didn't do, you did, did, but you wouldn't, you didn't. You just, okay, Lord, I'm trying to keep in step with you today. Sin, you're not the boss of me. I commit my hands to you. I commit my, Lord, I commit my life to you. I'm walking in step with you and trusting that it is your life in me that's going to shine brighter than my attempt to be like you. So Lord, have your way in me. Have your way in me. So maybe today you just commit. Say, God, I, I commit to just abiding in you. I don't even necessarily know what that means right now because I'm so used to to-do lists and not to-do lists. But God, I just, I pray that you would start arresting me. Whether it's in my dreams and visions, Lord God, I pray that you would just start arresting me, that I would, I would find new life in you through a relationship in you, God. Maybe for some of you in here today, like you've never come to that place. Like you're still in this place. Like, I, I, I don't know, I, I've never... I've never immersed myself in Christ. I've never trusted him to be my savior and to be my Lord. I, I, I don't even know what that looks like. I just want to tell you, you don't have to wait till you're good enough because you, well, that'll never happen. But if this is where you're at today, I just want to encourage you to just place your, place your life in him. What does that look like? I just surrender. It's just a realization of God. I, I desperately need a savior in my life. I, I know that I'm not a good person who occasionally does bad. I know that it, I sin because I'm a sinner and I desperately need salvation. So if you're in that place where you're like, you know what, if this is true, then I want it in my life. I just want you all around this place. You can raise your hand just between you and God. just want to pray a prayer with you right now. If that's where you're at today, I see that. All right. I want you to pray with me. And it's very simple, but it's essentially this transfer into the life of Christ that Paul talks about, that Jesus talks about, this abiding. Lord God, I realize that I'm a sinner in need of salvation and that I, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to try to figure it out on my own. But Lord, I know that you made a way where there was no way for me. That it's through your death, burial, and resurrection that I can walk in newness of life. That old things have passed away and all things are new. And so today, I commit my life, my ways, my all to you, Lord. I make you my, 
I make you my Lord and my Savior today. May what is true of Jesus be true of me, even though I don't deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord God, I thank you for those that made that decision today that said, you know what? I desperately need you. Lord, for the rest of us in here, maybe we're in a place of like, you know what? I've been leaning too hard into religion into thinking that I, I need to st- try to, you know, rebuke the desires of my flesh and hope that it means that I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. But God, I haven't met with you. I haven't talked with you. I haven't abided in you. I haven't remained in you. I'm not connected to you. I'm just trying to do a to-do list or a not-to-do to-do list rather than just resting in you. So Jesus, as we lift your name up today in this last song of worship, I pray that we would rest in you. If you need a place where you just want to get alone with the Lord today, you want to come up here along the front, maybe even in your seat, and just say, you know what, Lord, I I commit my ways to you. I'm done trying to live it on my own, try to be like you, try to live a religious life. I just want to abide in you so that fruit happens. So Jesus, we lift you up. We praise your name. We give you all the praise and all the glory. If you have a prayer need in any area of your life, I just want to encourage you up along the side here. As we worship, love for you to come forward. We have a prayer team that would love to just pray God into your situation today. Lord, we lift you up. We praise your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.